think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. This is Pastor Chad here, and back with me, my first guest. Like, you get to have that title forever. You were my <laughs> yes. first guest ever. Granger Smith, how you doing, brother? Yes, I'm good, buddy. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm you're, you're, uh, surviving here you're... in the great north. So you have cold weather coming, you told me. Very cold weather. Yes, we're... We're getting ready. We're bat. I think it's technically batting down the hatches is what they call it. Uh, we're getting ready for a very, very severe cold. I think negative thirty six in the evenings. So just, just imagine thirty six degrees. Even if, even if it was like freezing, like water freezes at thirty two degrees. So even if it was like there was ice, we're we're now. 60 degrees below water freezing at that point. It's crazy. Negative 22 is the coldest I've felt in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. And that's like, you can't have any skin exposed. Um, <laughs> you know, like all your boogers just instantly freeze. So here's, I remember last year on maybe Facebook or some social media account, I, I tested the theory that you could take boiling water because we got we got 20 below one time. And and so you, I took a pot of boiling water out in the back and threw it in the air and it vaporized instantaneously. So you might see an uptick on like TikTok channels and Instagram feeds of people attempting that because that's people that are like inside, they're cold, but they're like, I wonder what you can do with this kind of weather. And so who knows? We'll see some fun stuff. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we, we're pretending like we actually just started this conversation, but we've actually been talking for about 40 minutes before yes. we started recording, just catching up <laughs> um, because that's what we do. I <laughs> wish, do. Chad, that you would have recorded some of it at least. It, maybe it would have been fruitful for someone well, listening. Well, see, that's where you become my mentor in this podcasting world. You have to say, hey, stop, hit record. Now let's let's keep going because it was so, gold. And I wish people could have heard what we talked about. You'll okay. do that in the future. Record it. And, then, and if you don't want it, you could just cut it out later. But at least you have it. Okay. Yeah. So in, in that <laughs> conversation, we got caught up. You've been doing some traveling, but, uh, and you went, you got to go on a mission trip with your daughter. Yeah. She's, what she was, just what are some 12. of your takeaways? Um, well, I've been, I've been encouraged by a lot of people that have said, take your kids, take your kids, take your kids. And of course my wife, Amber is like, wait, what? <laughs> but, um, now after having done it, I saw a big change in her. And mm. I'm very encouraged by it. Not only that, not only um, did I see a change in her, and and that's that was one of my biggest goals was to see a difference in London. We were hiking, um, traveling long distances with packs, camping in tents. Um, the water's that dangerous, the the food is horrible. 
you know, so I, I wanted to be able to put her in that kind of situation so that um, she could grow in so many ways and, and watch her spiritually grow as she just depends on the Lord mm. and her prayers got deeper like I wanted. But on top of all that, we actually really needed her. There were several girls that went on this trip and we needed them because we were mm-hmm. going in Latin America, we're going village to village. And the kids, these young girls, they were teens, they would soften the situation instantly. So when these mm-hmm. white people walk into this Latin American mountain village, they're scared. It's like, what do they, what do they want? Mm-hmm. But when these little girls come, 12, 13, 14-year-old girls, it's like, okay. It, instantly, the kids were softened. They had these little uh, Frisbees that they would play with and little Bible studies that they would tell them about Jesus. And the, the kids would sit down. And, and then it gave us a chance to talk to the adults. And so the kids actually— mm-hmm. The girls actually served a very valuable purpose to the mission as well. So yeah, yeah, it was it was great. Well, and what an empowering kind of experience. Like you can't plan for that feeling to occur. And yeah. and so for her to get there and to realize that even at her age and stage of faith, there is great ways in which God can work through her and utilize her. And yes. she doesn't have to be a grown-up. She doesn't have to have this fully developed understanding of of all things in the Scripture. But where she's at, as long as she's faithful and obedient and willing, like, God will use her. And so, man, I think that is awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, what— it, Beyond that, is there anything else that kind of in this season of life and maybe the last couple of months, there tend, there's, a, there's a trend of what God is trying to show you or teach you? I think um, I'm in this evangelism class in, in seminary, and so I think that's probably been the subject that's been top of mind lately is hmm. how, am I, how am I presenting the gospel? How often am I? How bold am I with it? Um, and am I— Am I depending on myself for the results, or mm. am I just faithfully presenting the gospel fully with an accountability of sin, with a, an acknowledgement of who God is, and the acknowledgement of what Christ did about th- that situation? And that sin is, not, uh, sin is not something that's a problem that's happening to us that we need help with. It is causing a separation between us and God. And Jesus mm. comes to reconcile that separation. So am I brave enough to tell someone that story? Your right. sin has caused a separation between you and your God. You, you know, and am I brave enough to tell them that like Isaiah did? Um, so that's mm. been the season I'm in to go, well, if you believe it, if this is the truth, we have to tell them. We have to tell them the full truth, not just that that you have past problems and and as we call them, uh, what do ch- churches like to call them? Scars, or, you know, mm-hmm. these burdens and scars that that Jesus wants to help heal your scars, which is only half true. Because of course he does, <laughs> of course he does. But but what what are those scars really causing? It's mm-hmm. it's causing an eternity possibly in hell if we don't reconcile. Well, and it's it. interesting that you you articulate it as bravery. Because we know inherently that this is a message that may not be received well 
and so it's it could cost us something. It's yeah. risky, and you're, yeah, you're you're referencing some approaches to evangelism highlight a victim mentality that we we just need to to help people understand why they're victims to what they are. And what you're saying is that the truth of the scriptures reveal that we're not we're not victims in this. That to to put the blame on Adam and Eve and say, well, if they hadn't have done this, and I wouldn't be in this situation, is is only mm. like you said, partially true. But yeah. we have absolutely made their sin and their rebellion our own, and yes. we need to come to grips with that reality. Like, yeah, it's it's on us, and and Jesus truly reconciles. So that, that's man, that's a good word. I could I could talk for hours about that. Um, Same, but <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah, man, we should have recorded that first forty five minutes. That that yeah. that's here's what that is. That is just that's a little gift for you and I to just cherish and share together. And yeah, there you go. Maybe someday in eternity. We can gather around with all the saints and and recapture that forty five minutes, but I don't know if it's that that worth it. I don't know if it's that worth it. <laughs> anyway, alrighty, um, I'm gonna have us jump into the scriptures. We came here to take and read the Word of God, and uh, and so I'm gonna have us do that. We're in Acts. We are still making our way faithfully and carefully through the Book of Acts, and so we have just finished up. Acts chapter 11. And so we find ourselves today, and I'm just flipping there to it, uh, we are starting into Acts chapter 12. And by way of kind of refresh, in the last episode, uh, we we got to talk with Jeshua, who is serving overseas in a very interesting context. And we also talked a lot about the gospel and, and got to have an opportunity where he he demonstrated his approach to sharing the good news of Christ and the reality that people are separated from God and that Christ comes to reconcile. So uh, if folks haven't heard that episode, it is definitely worth it. Uh, We actually did a little role play so you could hear how does he take a conversation that begins with him requesting a pack of Oreos, how does he arrive at the gospel with an individual? And that's what we got to see a little bit of in the last episode. But we also looked at Acts and we we kind of considered the gospel going to Antioch and this idea that the gospel is now going global. It is it is it's extending far beyond the the Jewish kind of cohort. It's it's extending beyond the Jewish disciples. And now what Christ originally intended and then confirms through Peter's vision that he has in a dream, the conversion of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and his whole household. Like these are indications that this gospel then is intended for more than just Jewish believers, but it extends far beyond that. And so part of that is Peter going back and reporting it back to Jerusalem, where they hear, man, Peter, what were you doing eating with these Gentiles? And he's like, not only was I eating with them, but they're kind of they're part of our family now. Like they they received the Holy Spirit just like we did. And so how could I withhold the waters of baptism from them? I cannot. If they have been affirmed by God to be included in the family of God, 
then we're not going to exclude them. And so then the gospel goes to Antioch and it faces, faces some challenges there. That's where they first get the, the nickname Christian. Uh, it happens in the church in Antioch. And we see them uh, kind of flourishing as a church family there. And that people are there, um, which is interesting because uh, the gospel goes to Antioch and Barnabas is the one that is told to go because it, they've heard that people there have converted to Christianity and started following Christ. And so the the leadership in Jerusalem said, well, we need to send them somebody to go teach them and disciple them like, so that they understand what their, their new faith is and, and equip them. And so they send Barnabas, but Par- Barnabas goes and swings by Tarsus and grabs Paul and is like, I need, I need some reinforcements. So what's fascinating is it tells us in uh, the big, kind of towards the beginning of that section in uh, Acts 11, starting in 19, it says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. And then it explains that the gospel then spreads to people beyond the Jewish faith. But they're there, the gospel went there because of the persecution that was brought about by Paul. And now the gospels arrive there because of the persecution that he initiated. Now he's converted to Christ and Barnabas brings him to Antioch to then disciple these people. That is, that's God's economy. That's how yeah. God does things. Yeah. He is the great reconciler. Anyway. Yeah. So we're going to jump into 12, but we're only going to take a few of the, the first verses of chapter 12. Uh, I think that there's, as you and I discussed, I think there's some things there that, that are important to stop, pause, and consider before we consider the rest of kind of the story that plays out in chapter 12. So we're going to do just that. I'm reading out of the ESV today. How about yourself? Same. Cool. So we're in Acts chapter 12. We're going to read verses one through five. Uh, And just for everyone who's tuning in, Granger and I took time before this to pray. I think that's a huge first step uh, to, to seek the Lord and consider and consult the author before you read the work so that he can give insight. So here we go, Acts 12, verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Okay, very interesting data points. As you consider this, what are some of the things that are important to note or kind of consider in terms of the context here? Anything stand out? Um, well, we have uh, we have Herod. Um, this is the the same lineage of Herod that has been uh, ravaging the, the New Testament. Mm. The same bloodline here, um, and we have one of our earliest martyrs, James. Mm-hmm. 
which is in the in the uh, what it what is the Fox's Fox's Book of Martyrs. Yeah, uh, James, one of our first pages here. Of course, Stephen is right before this, right? Um, and and then Peter, it's interesting that he doesn't get killed too right away. Yeah, that is interesting that there was a, a break. Do you think the inclusion of there's some timestamps there during the days of unleavened bread, which is also in conjunction with Passover. So that would mark the first of the year in the Jewish calendar. And there it's one of the high holy days, which means the three times a year during the high holy days, there is a huge swell in Jerusalem in terms of tourist population because people are pilgrimaging to go to the temple and sacrifice, mm-hmm. at least in the Jewish kind of worldview. Yep. And so I don't know, I mean, because that's, that's similar timing to when Jesus would have been arrested, uh, put on trial because he was arrested uh, as they were celebrating Passover with his disciples. He was arrested that night. Um, so it's interesting. And we're now at a similar time of year. I don't know that that's important, but I I wonder if that there was something there that caused him to pause and not just move forward with an execution. You think we're about 10 years past since the, since Christ? Yeah, I think we're within 10 years. I don't know. Um, Cause yeah, Paul, Paul what we understand about Paul's right. Yeah. Paul's, if he's involved in this, his his um he's three years after these events after Christ. Mm-hmm. So And he starts writing in the 40, early forties. Yeah. Early to mid forties. And so yeah, you're probably we're probably within ten years. We're probably like yeah. late thirty, eighty right here. Um, and if so you think about fresh, in, very fresh. yeah, very fresh. And at this point, the population of Christians is n- very noticeable. Like it's a, it's a pretty good number, especially in the context of Jerusalem. Jerusalem wasn't a heavily populated city at that time. And so when you start seeing numbers like 3000 are added, then 10,000 are at like, these are significant percentages of the population. So it's, it's a very noticeable uh, movement. And so it's interesting that he, Herod, and, and the thing to note about King Herod, Herod is not a true king. He is a, he's a political appointed by Caesar to try to keep peace in the region. Hmm. And Herod himself is one who he studied as an architect in Rome and so he he was Jewish by birth, but was not really Jewish in practice. And so here Caesar has selected somebody who is very sensitive to the Roman way of life, having experienced Rome and probably enjoyed Rome quite a bit, and has now been appointed. And Herod actually studied to be an architect. And so, he, you know, here you've got this guy that's he's pretty educated and learned. And he's put in to be a statesman. He's, he's put in place by Caesar to try to manage 
the population and keep peace in the Roman Empire on that side of the empire. And so you see how his motivation there is he lays hands on some who belong to the church. He killed James. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded in the same track. So there's a sense in which this is, I don't think it's indicating that Herod has some sick pleasure out of like torturing people. This is a political, politically expedient move for him because he's trying to constantly appease the Jewish population and maintain peace in the region. Yeah. So I think there's some indicators there. Um, yeah, and I, when I read it, it's, it stood out to me because I always like to, to ask, like, who's here? Who's present in this text? And you have, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And let's just remember who James, the brother of John, is. Like, you mm-hmm. remember early in Jesus's earthly ministry, he's, he's there and he approaches Peter at the water's edge they just come in from a night of fishing. He tells Peter to, you know, cast on the other side. Here's an experienced fisherman being told by some random guy on the shoreline to try a different way. And he's like, we've fished all night. What are you, what are you talking about? Well, immediately, the people that are with him are James and John, the son of Zebedee. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah it's hard not to if you read through the Gospels and start to build a connection with these men. Here's a guy who, I mean, he was faithful to the end. He's faithful and is killed then by the sword of execution. Yeah, not to be confused and, with James, the brother, the stepbrother of Jesus, half-brother, right. excuse me, um, who I think the early church fathers called James the Younger. Is that right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, this is James the Elder, I think. Is that what they called it? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Something something like so that. So James the, the Right. And James the half brother of Jesus is the one who writes the book of James. Correct. And this is this is a different James. This is the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee. Yeah. And uh James, James it's like James the faithful or something. I'm sorry, I don't remember um what the early church fathers nicknamed him, but it's two different Jameses. And we we probably um, and it didn't, the Lord didn't lay it out this way, but we could have learned a lot from James. We didn't get any writings from mm. him. He walked right. with our Lord. He saw mm-hmm. everything that John and Peter, these other guys saw. Uh, we could have learned a lot, but we didn't because his life was cut short. Uh, he didn't get to walk um, like most of the apostles did after this and write about it in their older age. Mm. Yeah, in it's interesting to kind of sit back and look at the fear of God versus the fear of man in this passage to me. Yeah, yeah. You see a major transition happen for those disciples like James and Peter who, when Jesus is first arrested, they're, they kind of scatter. There's fear. They don't want to be persecuted. They don't want to be associated with Jesus for personal fear of what that might cost them. And then you fast forward and here we are years later and they are so convinced of the superiority of Christ and allegiance to him 
that there's nothing that man can do to them to get them to detract from Christ. They are committed to the end. And then you have Herod, who seemingly has all authority and can take people's lives in his own hands and and do with them what he wants. But yet, because he sees something that pleases this populace, so there's a fear there, yeah, he he does things that defy the God of the universe and the faithful ones of Christ. I looked Very it up. Interesting. Uh, James, son's, son of Zebedee, is also James the Great, James the Greater, and James the Elder. Um, and that is well, those are some pretty awesome nicknames. I know. <laughs> I know. And Jesus's half brother gets James the Younger. Like that's yeah. not nearly as cool. <laughs> His whole life, but, he's uh, like, what would it be like to be Jesus's little brother just to begin with? But then... <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a great parallel you, you, or juxtaposition you drew here between Herod and, and James, and then also what we're seeing in Peter as we move forward. Yeah, it's great stuff. Great stuff for us to be encouraged by. And then you have um, the end of that passage. So verses four and five, he's... You know, he's already, he proceeds to arrest Peter because he wants to continue this, this good favor with the Jewish people. So let's, let's grab another one of these, these kind of high marks, these, these important people in the Christian world in order to appease the Jews. Cause they're, the Jews are getting really upset with the Christians now because this has gone far enough. And so he captures him, he arrests him and delivers him over to four squads I don't know how much a squad is. It sounds like a lot of soldiers. It does seem like a lot of soldiers. And the fact that Luke actually wrote that number uh, means that Luke, I I would think Luke did that so that we would know, hey, they put a lot of guys on Peter. (laughs) Like They're pretty nervous about this situation. He must be a very dangerous individual and uh, a high flight, you know, high, high risk of flight. Um, and so the intention, we're, we're, it's alluding to the fact that the intention was that after Passover uh, to bring him out to the people, to the Jewish people, and the idea would be that he would probably be publicly condemned and then executed, similar to maybe the way that, that Jesus was. Yeah. And so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And that's, that's just an interesting, like that's the, that's the recourse. One of their key leaders is arrested, and they know that the what is likely is execution because that's what happened to James. And so their response, and it's just in one sentence, Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made by God, to God by the church. That's their response. Yeah. We're going to pray about this. So earnest prayer is made by the church to God. And I think sometimes, I think that highlights the reality that we sometimes, we live in a world where it seems like the powers that be, right, the human authorities, institutions that are pitted against the gospel, they sometimes seem like they are unstoppable or that they, they cut corners and they do cheap things and that somehow God is defeated in these moments. But I think what we can anticipate, the reason why it was listed the way that it was, Peter was kept in prison, but 
rest assured, earnest prayer was made to God by the church. And there's something that happens when the church prays earnestly. It's and like that is to the, be continued. That is the conjunction that, that's used here is but. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It does, it does not say, so Peter was kept in prison and earnest prayer for him was made by, to God by the church. It doesn't say that. Huh. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. That's yeah. a completely different sentence than saying and, <laughs> yeah. right? Be, and very different. You and, I, you and I know what happens next, which is we're yeah. not going to give it away because that's the next podcast episode. But it's crazy. If you think about it, Luke was like, but <laughs> earnest yeah. prayer, as if, rest assured, the greatest weapon against this situation is being used. It's mm-hmm. like saying, it's like saying the the Nazis surrounded the the Allies, but they brought in the new the new aircraft carrier, you know. Yeah. To, but yeah. they brought in the new the new special tank mounted gun. You know yeah. that that's what's happening here. This new technology or something, yeah, yeah. that's that's unbeatable. And so yeah. it's very interesting, and I think that it's easy to to fly past that verse five. I think that. So Peter was kept in prison, prison, but earnest prayer was made yeah. to God by the church. And when the prayer, when the church earnestly prays to God about things, that matters. Yes. That, that is, that's the best thing that could happen. Yes. At that point. And not earnest prayer by a bunch of people or individuals but specifically True. the church. True. So that means corporate prayer is made and there's power in that. And I think, and people might get really tired of me talking about the importance and the value of the church, but that's because it's really vital to what God has designed us to be a part of, that, that we are a body and also that prayer is a vital part of the church life that frequent and fervent or what's described here as earnest prayer. Mm. And I think that's powerful. Mm. That's good. Uh, how do you, when you sit back and look at these passages and you go, okay, I've, you know, I'm, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a faithful member of my church. How do I live in light of this, these verses? What are some things that kind of resonate for you? Yeah, I think we start with um, verse 1 and 2, that what you set apart with, with Herod saying, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, like he makes mm-hmm. moves based on what pleases man. Mm-hmm. As opposed to these other guys mentioned here, James and Peter, they do things in which pleases God. Yeah. Um, let, that, that's a great place to start with uh, just an incredible takeaway for my family, um, for my work, for my interaction mm-hmm. with people. Um, going back to our, you know our conversation about evangelism, mm-hmm. how do how am I am I worried about what pleases the average man on the street in Georgetown, Texas, 
or being faithful to what God says pleases him. Because those two well, things— Well, to your point of bravery, right? Yes. You yes. talked about bravery. It's yes. risky. It means not only is it risky like for them, and it might inconvenience them, but it's risky for you. And are you willing to risk? These guys were. Herod was not. Yeah. And we all know, <laughs> because we're all sinners, we could all relate to Herod and go, must have felt good. When he mm. brought in James and had him killed, and everyone applauded him and said, you're the man, Herod. Congratulations. You did it. That guy was one of our, our biggest problems in town. You cut his head off. Great job. He must have just sat back, you know, with his grapes and thought, I am pretty good, aren't I? (laughs) And probably like, oh, you like that? Well, watch. Hey, I can do it again. Hey, who's another one of those guys they don't like? Oh, Peter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me Peter. Hey, you just wait. After you're done with your celebration, your big holiday, I I got a treat for you. Which is an interesting side point that we don't know. Maybe the perspective, we have a perception now that Peter was the leader. But maybe James mm-hmm. was more powerful in the eyes of, of the, the government mm-hmm. here. Um, but, but we should not fool ourselves, Christians, listening to this podcast, me. We should not fool ourselves to think, Herod, man, what an idiot. Mm-hmm. We should instead say, I'm just like that guy. Lord, I have to help fight. me. Lord, help me. (laughs) Have mercy on me because I'm just like, I crave what Herod is craving here. Let me fight Mm -hmm. against that current every day of my life. Let me resist what is inside of me in the flesh. Amen. That is a word. Yeah. I think that along with the the but earnest prayer was made to Mm -hmm. God by the church. uh, Yes. Which seems like a powerless, weak, passive response to a threat. It seems very, uh, it does not seem very tough. It doesn't seem like we might think that they would go and picket at the prison. They might go on a hunger strike. They might um, rally in the streets and demand the release of Peter. Nope. Earnest prayer to God was made by the church. And... I can't wait for the next episode. I know. The uh, New Oxford American (laughs) Dictionary says, earnest, resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction. Resulting from intense conviction. That's that's what the New Oxford American Dictionary says about earnest. They were convinced that they were talking to the God of the universe, that he was hearing, and that he cared about it, and that he would handle it. And that's what they believed. They believed that he, Christ was in complete command of the situation, that he was absolutely sovereign and had utter authority over all things. And so they talked to him about it because they believe that's, mm. why, why go anywhere else? Why would mm. we talk to anyone else besides him? He's mm. got this. Man, that's a good word. It's a powerful word. Um, thanks for being with me today, brother. And yeah, of course. I love our time in the Word. I do too, man. Uh, I'm going to start to uh, make, have you be a more regular guest, and so I'm going to just I'm going <laughs> to pitch pitch it that we every six weeks just we schedule Absolutely. a time and we'll just make it work. So we're going to. I get it. I get it just as much out of this as anybody. I guarantee. You. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is just and what you're doing, Chad, is you're you're showing people that 
you look at the Bible, it seems so huge and daunting. But here we are with five verses. Mm-hmm. And look what look what has happened. And look at the conversation that we've had and the what we're how we're looking at ourselves now and, and looking at our lives. Just be, these little five verses. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, if anyone's tuning in and we we've provoked conver- or question or any curiosities, uh, you can always email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions for Granger, you can email me there and I'll get those to him. Also want to encourage you to leave comments. The idea of comments uh, in response to the podcast episodes is a, a chance for you as a community, those that are listening, to engage in conversation. That My desire is that we develop and build a movement of people that take and read God's Word and mm. converse about it and meditate on it and uh, you know engage with it along with each other. And so please leave comments, share, like, uh, but encourage people to take and read the scriptures. And if they, they don't know where to start, tune into this podcast. That's the whole origin of this was to just simply take the Bible and take a few verses, read it and talk about it. Uh, there's no preparation that goes into this. Uh, no. I don't tell the guests what we're about to read. I don't even look at what we're about to read. I simply turn to the next verse and we pick up and we read and we talk. And that's the idea is that this is something for everybody to do. And I want to encourage you out there to take and read the Bible. Start wherever you want to start. Uh, if if you don't have a, a reading plan, there are hundreds. Just Google Bible reading plan. Uh, if you have ever tuned in to Granger and I before, you know that there's a couple of reading plans that we really favor and like. But even if you're one of those people that you're like, I can't start a reading plan because it's past January 1st, it's too late. No, start today. It doesn't matter when you start. And if you're like, oh, I started on the 1st, but I skipped a couple days and, and ah, it's ruined. No, just start where you left off and keep going. It may take you a year and a half. It may take you 17 months and that's okay. Uh, It may take you 39 months, and that's okay. Just keep reading God's Word and stick with it. Uh, And to to recognize, too, this isn't something that we do to appease God. We don't read the Word in order to kind of do Him a favor. But it's, it's similar to what Granger was talking about with sharing the gospel. There is what Jesus came to do was reconcile us to God, and that means a relationship. And God speaks to us through his word. And the only way you can get to know somebody is you talk with them. Yeah. And so the idea of reading the Bible, understanding what God is saying to us, and then we respond in prayer. And that becomes a conversation with the creator of the universe. And we see it in our passage today. But earnest prayer was made to God by the church. Just imagine whatever is happening in your world right now, whatever you are faced with whatever challenges you have and you're trying to think, how can I solve this? How can I deal with this? Try earnest prayer and try to recruit others in your church family or in your, uh, you know, other Christians that you have a relationship with and try earnest prayer together and seek the Lord about the things that you're facing and just watch him work because that's how he works. So again, thanks for tuning in. Granger, Thank you for being here, man. Of course, brother. Love you guys. So glad to have you. And want to encourage everybody out there to go take and read the Word of God. Blessings. Blessings.